book is so awesome. I can do anything. This book is so awesome. I am the potions king. Did you hear that half book prince? I said I was the king. Can you hear me, Professor Snape? I can make anything. This book is so awesome. Hi, my name is Joel Watson. And I'm Lily Watson. And you're listening to Potter and Daughter, the Harry Potter podcast, where I talk to my eight-year-old daughter as she reads through the Harry Potter book series. Hi, Lily. How you doing? Good. This is the first episode of two things. First episode of book five. And the first episode that we're going to be doing in summer. And, well, yes, that's true. So three things. And the other also is the first episode where uh, you have not already read the book, the entire thing. That is true. You've only read the... Minimum where we can do the podcast. The, the few chapters that we're going to talk about this time. So I'm very interested to hear your theories and to find out what you think is going to happen. And then later on... See if I'm right or not. Yes. And see how many of my sentences you can finish <laughs> in this podcast. So let's see. We are starting... With chapter five, uh, or book five, chapter one, Dudley Demented. Now, real quick, just one or two sentences. What state is Harry's life in as we start this book? What has just happened to him, and and how is he living right now? Well, in the last book, um, at the very end, um, Voldemort returned. Yeah, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, so Harry is... Um, is living with the Dursleys again. Um, but this time, he's actually being meaner to Dudley. Like, yeah. Harry's meaner in general. Harry is, uh, we'll get into why, but Harry, Harry's got a pretty bad attitude now. He's, he's not feeling great and he's tired of taking, uh, you know, abuse from Dudley and from his aunt and uncle. Uh, so we're, when we when we rejoin Harry here at number four Privet Drive, um, he's sort of all by himself, and uh, he he's listening. I think he's like listening in the, uh, to the news while laying in the grass, and he sees Mrs. Fig walk by. Now, what do we know about Mrs. Fig at this point? She's um, a weird old woman with a bunch of cats. Yeah, she's a crazy old cat lady. She seems to be talking to herself. And. Um, I think that she is sometimes Harry's babysitter. Oh, maybe when he was younger? Yeah. So, uh, Harry doesn't pay Mrs. Fig much mind, but he certainly, you know, he knows all about her. He knows who she is. She's been around his whole life. Um, Harry knows that Dudley and his gang of miscreant friends have been up to no good. What have they been doing? They've been mugging 10-year-olds. Yeah, they've been beating up 10-year-olds, taking their money, and then vandalizing, maybe spray painting or breaking stuff. Yeah, and um, 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 a few pages into the chapter when you're reading the book for real, um, Harry sort of teases him by saying, "What did you, what did you do again? Beat up a ten year old?" Well, yeah, that's what we're getting. Yeah. So, don't jump ahead. Um, Harry hears a loud noise, and a cat runs out from under a parked car, and then uh, he hears a, a plate break. And he pulls out his wand. He's um ready to fight. Ready to fight. Yeah, he's he's assuming that uh that you know there's death around every corner because of what's just happened to him. What actually happened? 
Uncle Vernon gets mad at him. Um, he, yeah, and he like sticks his fist out the window, and then Harry clunks into it. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he's just saying like you know, there's a car that backfired. No big deal. It's just a cat. Calm down. Um, what has Harry's contact been with his friends over the summer? I don't think anything. He's been writing them letters. Have they been returning letters to him? I think only one or two. There was one. There was at least one that was saying, "We'd like to tell you everything, but we can't." Hmm. Um. Yeah. And he well, he gets a box of chocolates from Hermione from Honeydukes, and that's it. He he feels uh, abandoned at this point. Like maybe they don't like him anymore. Yeah. Like well, first of all, Dumbledore has not answered any of his questions about what's going on with uh, Voldemort's return. Is he in danger? Who's looking out for him? What's happening with his scar? Should he be doing anything at this point? Uh, he doesn't know anything. He's completely in the dark. And uh, and then Ron and Hermione are also ignoring him. Um, at this point, the reader, which includes you, doesn't really know why any of that's happening. Do you have any guesses as to why they've ignored him all summer? I've actually already read that part. You have not read that part. You may think you've read that part. Do you want to talk about that later? Okay. I'll, to see if I've read that part, then... <laughs> oh. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. Um, I, I think in the next couple of chapters, you can tell me what you think about okay. that. But... Uh, <laughs> I can hear our cat crying outside the... <laughs> crying outside the door. Oh, God. Every time we close the door, he thinks everyone in the house is vanished or dead. <laughs> so anyway, Harry, Harry kind of goes out for a walk. He's all by himself. He's literally by himself. He, he, uh... Yeah, he's just on the swing set at a park with nobody. Yeah, but I also... Not, not only is he by himself at the park, but he's by himself in life. He feels like he's got no one and nobody, and things are just getting darker and darker for him. Uh, then who should show up? Dudley and and his gang. His gang of losers and, and cronies. And uh, they they kind of get into it, like you were saying. He he says, uh, you know, what's up, D? You've been beating up 10-year-olds? Which he teases about. What's he call himself? Big D at this point or something yeah, like that? Yeah, Big D. Moron. Diddykins. So, uh, like Harry, call, Harry and his mom call him Diddykins mm. to tease him. So, just as... Uh, they're about to get into it. It might even seem like uh, Dudley's about to beat up Harry. What happens? Um, doesn't he start running away to his house? Well, what happens to them at this point? Oh, don't. Who, who shows up? Um, either Mrs. Fig or Dementors. Dementors show up. And Dementors are not supposed to be anywhere besides Azkaban. Near a muggle home. Uh, Certainly not supposed to be in a muggle neighborhood, but they're not even supposed to be outside of Azkaban. They're not supposed to reveal themselves to muggles. They're not supposed to be anywhere where Harry is. So what do they do to Harry and uh, Dudley? Well, um, they freeze them and make them really, really cold. um, And then everything around them just turns gray and pitch black. Yeah, and uh, Harry loses his wand, and he can't find it. And he can't find Dudley. They just start talking to each other. Like Dudley's like, "What did you do?" 
<laughs> and then uh, Harry hears laughter and then a high-pitched voice in his head. What do you think that is? Probably Voldemort. Why would Harry be hearing Voldemort in his head? Do you think it's an extension of the dreams he was having about Voldemort in the last book? Or I don't. I don't really know. It might be. Um, it might be something like where um, he's laughing right before, or right after he killed Harry's parents. I don't know. You think it maybe it's a memory, or yeah? So it, we don't know. Is it a memory, or is it something that's happening right now, or something that's going to happen? Yeah. Is he, is he seeing the future? All these things are possible in Harry's world, and so we don't really know uh, why he would be able to hear Voldemort at this point. Uh, but Harry, uh, the Dementor, straight up attack Dudley and they try to perform the Dementor's kiss on him. So here they are unprovoked in a muggle neighborhood about to basically kill a muggle uh, for no reason. Well, not really kill, but... They might as well. It's worse than death, honestly. Um, At least in death, he would be able to rest. In in this case, he would just be sort of a blubbering mess for the rest of his life. Um, And... uh, what does Harry do to help Dudley at this point? Um, doesn't he tr- um, get his wand back? Gets his wand back and he... What's he do? The thing you do against Dementors is what? He does a Patronus. A big one. A very impressive one. He uh, produces a giant silvery shining stag and the Dementors flee. Mrs. Fig shows up, this old crazy cat lady, who obviously... Uh, should not know what's going on. So what does Harry do to hide uh, what's happening? She tries to uh, he he tries to put his wand away. But what does Mrs. Fig say that surprises Harry so much? Don't put it away, boy. Uh, and she calls him an idiot, <laughs> and she says they might be back. So that's very interesting. And then um, suddenly she yells, "Um, what is that guy's name?" Mundungus. Oh, that's right. He's she's like, Mundungus, I will kill you. Yeah, Mundungus was supposed to be guarding Harry, helping watch after Harry, and uh he's gone. He he went to go see about some uh, cauldrons that fell off a broomstick. He's trying to sell stolen merchandise or lost merchandise. So we 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 don't know who Mundungus is, but we know he seems like a not not trustworthy guy. And now we know what about Mrs. Fig, who has been a part of Harry's life his entire life. She is not a wizard, but a squib. She's a squib, but she is of magical folk. So all this time, Harry has had a uh, semi-magical wizardy type person in his life. Again, a squib is uh, basically the opposite of of a muggle-born. A squib is a wizard-born child or person who cannot cannot do do magic. magic. That's probably the saddest thing that I could even imagine. I would rather be a muggle than surrounded by magic the, and not these, able to do it. All these magical, wonderful things, yeah. and you can't do yeah, it. That's the worst. I can't even imagine it. So, But uh, she seems to have her wits about her. She knows what she's talking about. And, and there's something very important to realize now. She's been around Harry basically since he was born. We now know that she works for Dumbledore. So it's safe to assume that Dumbledore basically put her on Privet Drive in Little Winging as a spy when Harry was born. Because it's highly unlikely that a squib who works for Dumbledore just so happened to live right next to him. On Harry's street. Yeah, that's that's not likely. It makes more sense that Dumbledore put her there probably the day they dropped off Harry. I mean right? it's po- 
Yes, but it is possible that Dumbledore didn't send her, but again, it's not very likely. Not likely. No, I think it's pretty clear that she is an agent of Dumbledore and that, and that unbeknownst to Harry, through Mrs. Fig, Dumbledore has been keeping an eye on him since day one. He's always had someone looking after him. He didn't realize it. Uh, something to point out here, this is a quote from J.K. Rowling. She says, when Dudley was attacked by the Dementors, he saw himself for the first time, as he really was. This was an extremely painful but ultimately salutary lesson and began a transformation in him. What? What do you think that means? That makes no sense. The Dementors attacked Dudley and he saw what he really he saw who he really was. What do you think he saw? A jerk. Yeah. A guy like Dudley doesn't always know what he is he he might he might go these people are afraid of me because i'm great but he doesn't realize these people are afraid of me because i'm terrible i'm a bad person and so he saw himself as a bad person and i think what she's saying is that this is the end he doesn't like harry but this is maybe the end of him tormenting harry he he realizes what a just what a wasted life he's had and what a pointless and shallow and hateful life he's had so maybe the only good thing to ever come out of a Dementor attack is to realize who you really are if you are a bad person. Yeah, and I think it was specific to Dudley. I think what when they started to like suck the life out of him, he saw that life and saw what he really was doing with his life. So chapter two, a peck of owls. Um, at this point, uh, we're back at the house and uh, or they're heading back to the house and Mrs. Fig tells Harry that Mundung- who Mundungus was and that he was supposed to protect him and that he ran off. She explains that she's a squib and what that is. And they were supposed to be following Harry, making sure that no one attacked him. So he knows that they're, even though they're not talking to him, that I guess Dumbledore is looking out for him. I don't know if that makes him feel better or worse or just confused. Uh, but how does Harry get Dudley back to the house? Doesn't he take a bike from somewhere? I don't know about a bike. I know he has to physically, like, drag him there. Um, oh, yeah, I think he has to, like, carry Dudley over his shoulder. Yeah, because he's he's not doing well after this Dementor attack. He's he's sort of had, like, a a tiny bit of a Dementor kiss, and he's, he's kind of down for the count. So Mrs. Fig tells Harry to keep his wand out and not to worry about the Statute of Secrecy. Which is the you know the the magical, magical de- law. yeah the law that you can't do magic in front of a muggle, and then also the reasonable restriction of underage sorcery, which says Harry can't do magic outside of Hogwarts. So he's he's potentially broken two laws here, and we'll find out very quickly that there are some repercussions for this. Yeah, there should be um, an exception for that where if you're doing it to save you or your friend's life then it is okay. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what becomes of that. Uh, Mundungus Fletcher shows up. Boom, he apparates. He's there. Something very interesting about what he's got with him. Do you remember what he has? Cauldrons? No, he's he wanted to buy some stolen cauldrons, but he's got an invisibility cloak with him. Oh. Uh, which, up until this point, we've only heard of Harry's. We've heard of people talk about them like, oh, that's a neat thing, and not everybody has them. But we have not seen another one. Wait, doesn't Professor Moody have one? Not to my knowledge. I think he does. He might. I don't know. I don't remember him using it for anything. 
but they're very rare. And so here's Mundungus with one, which is odd. Anywho, so they get back to the house. Mrs. Fig heads off. I don't think she wants to be involved in the explanation. And uh, Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon are not super happy about everything that's happened, right? No. So who shows up with uh, a message? An owl. An owl comes in. And we know that Uncle Vernon loves when owls show up with letters, right? No. What does he do? He he tries to hit them with a newspaper. He also slams the window shut. He says, I will not have any more owls in my house. So he's he's he's... Not uh, remembering it. when Harry's letter was delivered and they they were tormented by hundreds of owls for it seems like months, weeks at least. And there and there and then that was actually what caused them to move away to that horde house. Yeah, to the island in the middle of the ocean. So the letter from the is from the Ministry of Magic and it's got some information about Harry's magic in front of a muggle situation. What does it say? Um, it says that Mainly, if they cannot clear up the law and say that it was fine for you to do this because you were you were saving your life, then they're going to take his wand and break it in half. Um, I don't remember that specifically. I know that it says he is expelled from Hogwarts immediately, and he will have a disciplinary hearing at the ministry. No, they said something about his wand. Okay, well... We'd have to go back and read the book to figure that out. But okay. uh, but he did, he is expelled from Hogwarts, which tells you that in some capacity, the uh, ministry is able to expel students from Hogwarts. And that's something we haven't really thought about before, is that why, why is the government able to expel a child from a school? But anywho, they do. And, uh, and that also there may be, you know, bigger consequences uh, because of his previous warning for doing uh plus this time he actually did it yeah and well yeah the previous warning that's interesting too that, that you bring that up is because the last time he got in trouble he didn't even do it it was dobby um for blowing up aunt marge uh and and the other time when um the cake fell on that woman but that was all was that all no one of those was dobby who blew up aunt marge harry blew up aunt marge but it dobby floated the cake yeah, Dobby floated the cake, but Harry did the blowing up on accident. But he still did. Because he was it. really mad. He still did it though. But it was an accident. So anyway, he's in trouble. Uh, things he he's already mad, and now things look worse. Harry decides, "I'm out. I'm not doing this. I can't go to Hogwarts. My life is over. No good right now." So what does he decide to do? Doesn't he try and run away again? He wants to run away. He gets a letter from Mr. Weasley. Do you remember what it says? Don't leave your aunt and uncle's house. And do not surrender your wand. No matter what. Whatever you do. Do not surrender your wand. Stay where you're safe and keep your protection with you. Uncle Vernon, who does he think attacked Dudley? Harry. He thinks Harry did it. Of course, all of the the horrible things Harry's done that they've seen, right? No, he's never done anything. They just assume. And they've never actually seen him do anything. The other thing I wanted to point out here is that um, there's a description of what Harry looks like at this point, and it's that he is wearing shabby clothes, that they're too big, uh, and they're faded from the sun. They're old. Whose clothes do you think he's wearing? Dudley's. He's wearing Dudley's hand-me-downs. Now, 
are the Dursleys the type of people who care what other people think or don't care what anyone thinks? They care what other people think. They care what everyone thinks. They want their neighbors to think they're fancy and cool and smart and rich. Yeah, they want to pretend like, oh, we're the richest people in the world. We're so awesome. So they're so concerned about other people's opinions, yet they are perfectly happy with with all of their neighbors seeing their kid in shabby clothes. They even point out that some of their neighbors think that shabbiness should be punished as a crime. And so they are specifically dressing up Harry in a way that he will be looked down upon by the people in their neighborhood. That also gives me a question. Does Harry wear um, Dudley's old old clothes to Hogwarts, but under his robes? No. This is what's very interesting about Harry's financial situation. He he is rich in wizard money, but you can't spend wizard money at Walmart and Target. (laughs) So Harry can't buy muggle clothes. Um, Now the question is, is it that he has grown out of his previous year's Hogwarts clothes and so they make him wear Dudley's or do they not allow him to wear the regular sweaters and jeans and pants that he bought for Hogwarts with his own money? One way or another, they're ensuring that he has to look like he is uh, less than, than than other people. As soon as he goes to Diagon Alley at the beginning of the year, he should be able to buy new clothes that fit him and are nice and whatever. And and it's an interesting dichotomy for Harry is that in one aspect of the world, he's quite wealthy. And the other, he's mistreated and poor. Well, yeah, it's not even that he's poor. It's that he's just a child. And children do not normally have money at all. They have they are taken care of by their, their guardians. Harry's guardians have chosen not to take care of him. So by extension, this well-off family has a poor child because they're forcing him to look and, and be that way. And he knows that all he has to do to provide for himself is go into the wizarding world. And he doesn't care about clothes. He doesn't care about material things, but I'm sure he doesn't want to be wearing baggy, hand-me-down, torn-up clothes. He probably just wants to be wearing nice, normal, you know. Everyday clothes. Yeah. Like so, you and me. So anywho, um, um, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting problem for Harry to have that they don't really go into detail. It's kind of in the subtext of the book there. So anyway, the owl from, uh, from Mr. Weasley says, stay put. Another owl from the ministry arrives, tells Harry that his wand will not be destroyed and that the matter of expulsion will be decided at the hearing. So all within rapid succession, he gets an owl that says, and you were right, your wand will be destroyed, you're out of Hogwarts. Whatever. Forget it. Weasley's owl shows up, says, Harry, don't listen to those guys. You got your wand. We're going to take care of you. Another owl shows up and says, hang on. Wait. They're going to have a hearing. What do you think is happening to make all this happen? I bet it has something to do with perhaps Mr. Weasley on Harry's behalf, since he works at the ministry, Um, begging and pleading. Like, please, please, please don't expel Harry, please. And so they're all sending new owls over and over and over. Harry tells Uncle Vernon Voldemort's back. Uncle Vernon says, I don't get out of here. I don't want nothing to do with you. I don't care about Voldemort. I don't care about nothing. Get out of my house. He thinks uh, Aunt Marge was right in saying that Harry should have been left at an orphanage. And and he he and Petunia decide, okay, you got to go. Another owl shows up and tells Aunt Petunia. 
It's it's a howler actually. And what does it say? Do you remember? Remember my last. Yeah. Remember my last Petunia. And Aunt Petunia says Harry can stay. She's like, oh. I don't know who sent that howler. The boys got to stay. Actually. I don't remember who sent that howler. No no, it's it said nope. It um there was no signing. Sure. And so I I don't remember if we find out later. I don't know if it's a howler from beyond the grave from Harry's mother. I have no idea. Uh, but I do, I do find that kind of mysterious. But whatever it was, it was enough to scare Petunia into making sure that she stays. Could have also been from Dumbledore. Dumbledore could have given her some instructions. Something. Chapter three, the advance guard. Uh, Harry sends an owl to Sirius. Ron and Hermione. Yes? Uh, wasn't Harry's mother a... Um a um, pureblood. I don't know. Probably. If if she was, then that would probably make Aunt uh, Aunt Petunia squib. Um. No. No, you're wrong. No, she was not a pureblood. She was Muggleborn because okay. she was the first in her family. Because Petunia said, you know, they were so happy. Oh, we have a witch in the family, so it was a new thing. Oh. Harry's father was is pure not blood. only pureblood, but we will learn later comes from a long line of very prestigious wizards. Mm-hmm. So he is uh you know they're a they're a mixed family, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh so Harry sends owls to Sirius, Ron and Hermione uh with Hedwig demanding to know what's going on. He's tired of being in the dark. Four days later, Uncle Vernon tells Harry they're they're heading out and they uh the lock on his bedroom door clicks and his door swings open. He thinks he's being attacked at this point. Who's actually there in his house? Um, it's actually people from the ministry. And who else? People he knows, too. And also, um, also Professor Lupin and, and not really Professor Moody. <laughs> and, yeah, and so it's Moody, it's Lupin. The real Moody. It's the real Moody, and this is actually the first time that we really meet him, other than, than him being in the bottom of that crate in the last book. This is our first real uh, Harry conversation with Moody. So we meet Moody. Uh, Lupin's there. He's like, Professor Moody. We also meet really some new Professor characters. Moody. We meet Nymphadora Tonks, Kingsley Shacklebolt, Alphias Dodge, or Doge, or Dodge, I don't know. Something. Daedalus Diggle, Emmeline Vance, Sturgis Podmore, and Hestia Jones. Podmore. Almost all of those people were left out of the books completely, left out of the movies completely. So Tonks goes upstairs to help Harry get his stuff. And what is she able to do that other wizards are not able to do? She's not um she's not an animagus, but she can but she can turn her turn um change her appearance at will. So what does she do? She says she doesn't like the color of her hair, so she changes it. Yeah, she's a metamorph magus. So she can change her face which seems to be a very uh, unique power. skill yeah it's an uncommon power it seems to be one that would come in very handy if you have her job which is what isn't it an agent she's an aura or she's an aura which is a dark wizard hunter capturer yeah uh, but she's a new aura tonks she's only been doing it for about a year right mm-hmm. and uh moody says he has to disillusion harry before they leave which Harry's kind of freaked out by that because he doesn't know what that means. What does that mean? 
Okay, so at first, Harry feels like something cold, like an egg was just dribbled down his back. Uh Uh-huh. And then suddenly he looks down at himself, and he's gone. He's invisible. Well, not really invisible, but it turns you into the background of your surroundings. Kind of like a chameleon, yeah. It's kind of like a lizard blending into its surroundings. So they mount their brooms, and they're going to move Harry, basically. They're... They're there to, they've got some heavy hitters. They've got oars and ministry people, and they're they're all there to move Harry. Do you think he still knows what's, I mean, do you think Harry knows what's going on at this point? No. I don't either. I but, think he. Oh, uh, by the way, the Dursleys are not at the house right now. Yeah, they've gone to some sort of. Uh, Restaurant, I think. I think this is the point where they, that, that Tonks tells them that they fooled them into thinking they were going to a best kept lawns oh, yeah. contest award ceremony. And so this is obviously something they would care about because they're fancy. Uh, it's also interesting to point out here that it mentions very briefly when Harry is listening to the news that there is a drought in Britain at this point. And so you're not even allowed to water your lawns. Like we're not right now in Texas. We're not allowed to water our lawns because there's right. not enough water. Right now? Yes. We have a lot of water. Well, they're they're not changing the watering restrictions just because the... Uh, because the reservoirs are flooded, I guess. It's 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 a weird time to be alive in Texas. The the rivers are flooded, the lakes are flooded. So we should be able to water our lawns. Maybe we can now. I haven't noticed them taking the signs down. Maybe they did. Anywho, uh there's lots of places in this country with with not enough water. And, and so uh and, and normally it's this place. So how do you think they got a, a nice lawn though? They watered anyway. They don't care. They don't care about anybody. They just do what they want to do. So they think they're going to get an award for an amazing lawn, which is... Or trying to, at least. It, you know, which is obviously not true. I think it's a funny way to fool them because it plays into their narcissism. It plays into how much they care about themselves more than anybody else. Tonks uses magic, a, a locomotor, locomotor uh, spell to bring Harry's trunk downstairs to get all his stuff together. Yeah, and it's supposed to be a spell where it gets all your stuff together, but... She told Harry that she's not ve- not very good at the housekeeping spells. Mm. And so uh, Moody uses a put-outer, which will later be called a deluminator, yeah, we to make actually, the street dark. We actually used that in the first book with Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously, uh, I, I believe it's an invention of Dumbledore's, so maybe he gave that spell to someone else, or maybe he gave it to Moody. I think he lended it to movie, Moody, yeah. yeah. Moody shows Harry a piece of parchment, Stating the location where they arrived when they, how do they get there? Do they fly? Do they broom? I don't remember. Yeah, they take. Yeah, they the mount brooms. their brooms. That's right. So they, so uh, after a while, they anyway. So he shows them a piece of paper, and uh, it says they've arrived at the headquarters of what? Um, the Order of the Phoenix. the Order of the Phoenix, and they're at uh, number twelve Grimmauld Place. So that's another address that we'll want to keep in mind uh, as an important address going forward. Uh, chapter four, number 12, Grimbled Place. It's the name of this chapter. What happens when they get there? It's obviously not clear where they are or how they're going to get in. What, what, do, what do they do to get, in that, get into number 12, Grimbled Place? They say the spell. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember what it not is. Not either. But then suddenly there's just a house just appears right 
by, right between the other two muggle houses. And which, kind of pushes them away. Which I should, which I would want to men- mention that, um, that it says number eleven, number thirteen. There's no number twelve, and I now, was me- and I was mentioning to my mom, the muggles have never noticed that. Well, I don't know how it is in Britain. If that's common or not, but in almost all American neighborhoods, odd numbers are on one side of the street and even are on the other. So 12 would not be between 11 and 13. 12 would be on the opposite side of the street. Unless it was like a, an apartment or a townhouse or something. Yeah, it looks sort of like a townhouse. So because, I don't know. Like, I went on this um, app, Pottermore, mm-hmm. and... Um, I looked at pictures of the books, and it showed, like, there was just this one big house that looked like a mansion, and then the house just... Yeah, I would imagine the spell they used to conceal number 12, Grimald Place, might also keep the muggles from paying attention to the fact that it's missing, because they also mention that you can see the muggles in their windows, like they're listening to their stereos, and uh, they don't notice that their houses are being moved 40 feet to either side. (laughs) So... Uh, so they head in to uh, kind of a spooky place. Maybe it looks like kind of like a haunted house, right? Sort of. Or everyone's like, there. Or Everyone. Like, or like maybe no one's lived there in years. Yeah. Everyone Harry knows is there. Mrs. Weasley welcomes him in. And uh, they say he's just arrived. The meeting started, but you're not allowed to join. It's only for the members of the order. Assuming she means the Order of the Phoenix, whatever that is. We have no idea. And... Uh, Harry, uh, Mrs. Weasley joins the meeting after showing Harry to a uh, door with a knob in the shape of a serpent. So is it possible that perhaps some Slytherins lived here? Maybe. Maybe some servants of Voldemort? Who is on the other side of this crazy door? Uh, wait, hold on. That just brings me up to a question. Sure. What house was Sirius in? Oh, in school? Yeah. Good question. It might have been... That he was a Gryffindor, and that's why his family didn't like him, because they were all Slytherins, perhaps? I don't know. We'd have to look it up. Uh, I know that he was certainly... He wouldn't have been a Slytherin, but many of his family may have been. Or the snake might just represent an allegiance to Voldemort and the dark, the darker side of magic. But Or maybe it might just be a creepy doorknob. <laughs> so who's on the other side of the door? Isn't it... Um. Hermione, Fred, George, and Ron. It's Ron and Hermione. Oh. And uh, Fred and George aren't there yet. Oh, that's right. They come later. Is Harry happy to see his friends? He is at first, but then he starts getting really mad. What does he do? He's. I think he starts shouting at them, like, "What? Like, why didn't you tell me anything? I wanted to know, and you just ignored me the whole summer." Yeah, what does Hermione have to say about that? And she's like, "We're really sorry, but Dumbledore swore us to secrecy." Yeah, and she says that she, if she was in his place, she would feel awful. So she sympathizes with him. It doesn't seem to make him feel much better. He calms down though, and uh, Ron tells him that where they are, this house is the headquarters of the Order. The secret society for all the people who fought against you-know-who when he rose to power last time. And Harry actually did that, but he's not a grown-up, so. Right. Well, he's seeing the Order has sort of not existed for 13 years. Once Voldemort was destroyed, they kind of disbanded. It was, you know, they didn't see a threat anymore. Like, there was really no point in having it if Voldemort was gone. But the kids aren't allowed to go to the meetings, 
and uh, they want to they snoop in on the meetings. So what do they use? They use an extendable ear. Yeah, they have an extendable ear, which is basically an ear on a string that they lower yeah. into the meeting and try and listen in. It's sort of like a tin can phone. Yeah, exactly. Except it probably sounds a little better. More like a microphone. Fred and George invented it. And then, uh, so they hear that they've been working on recruiting new members for the order. Yeah, it's probably going to be one of their many things in their new joke shop. And they uh, are standing guard over something. Harry kind of assumes it's him. He thinks they're, they're trying to guard him, but he's not sure because they're still guarding something. And Harry's already there. So maybe he's not the thing that they're guarding. They, maybe he was, and then they, and now they're guarding something else. What do you think it might be? Wait, who's guarding what? What What do you think the order is guarding if it's not Harry? It might be an, a special artifact that we have not learned about yet. That's a good know. idea. Uh, maybe it's something that can stop Voldemort maybe it's something a really uh, or like a really special element that help that makes you more powerful like a weapon against Voldemort yeah. maybe who knows like uh, a, a, a magical weapon they're definitely about to fight a war you know there's a coming war against evil wizards and Voldemort so if they had a weapon or, or some sort of uh, protective charm or something that they're trying to keep uh, safe then that might be one of their top priorities. Fred and George appear. They apparate. They apparate in kind of a weird way. Do you remember what they do? Um, Don't they land on Ron? I think so, I yeah. I think they land on Ron. They mention that they're kind of new to apparating because they've just turned the, that, the right age. Yeah, they've just graduated from Hogwarts, I think. Uh, Ginny says the extendable ears are not doing it uh, because there is an imperturbable charm on the kitchen door. Which means you can't listen in or do anything to open that door. And yeah. Ginny knows because she um, she was trying to see she could listen in by throwing stink bombs at the door. Yeah, I don't know how that I don't know how that would tell her, but she says that uh, Tonks told her that trick. That'll tell you if a, if a door is charmed or something. I don't know. Somehow. So Fred and George tell him that uh, it's Snape who is coming in to give a secret report to the Order. What kind of position do you think Snape's in right now? We know that when Voldemort was last in power, Snape was a spy for the good guys. Yeah, he was a spy and a supporter of Voldemort. So he was in a weird place. Well, he was a he was potentially a real supporter of Voldemort that turned into a spy, which means he's not really supporting Voldemort anymore. Do you think he was ever found out by Voldemort, or do you think Voldemort? I mean, would Voldemort have let him live if he found out Snape was a spy? Mm, probably not. So Voldemort's back. What do you think he thinks about Snape right now? Not really sure. If do you he- think he called him up and said, "Hey, Snape"? Last time I died, you were around. What you doing? You like, were my you were my guy. Like, you want to come help me some? I I would imagine at this point Voldemort died assuming or was destroyed assuming <laughs> that Snape was still on his side. So if Snape is giving the order a report, it may be a spy report. He might be a spy again. Something to think about. Um Percy uh, not doing so great with his family right now. No. Uh, what happened? What happened with Percy? 
Well, it's a really long story, so uh, I think um, either um, Ron or Hermione mentions don't talk about Percy in front of Mr. Wheat. Mr. Weasley and Mrs. Weasley. Yeah, well, they're sad because he's cut off all ties with his family. Well, I think Mrs. Weasley is sad and uh, Mr. Weasley is furious. A little bit of, and part of him is probably upset with uh, his child turning on him. If you mention um, Percy around Mr. Weasley, he breaks whatever he has in his hands or whatever is nearest to him. And Mrs. Weasley, I think, starts sobbing. Now, they also mentioned Bill, who's returned from Egypt. Who has he been hanging out with a lot? What young lady has Bill been spending time with? Oh, Floor. Yeah, Floor Delacour. So, um, that actually reminds me of um, that I Heart Weasley song. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, and now I do, probably, because it said... Um, that their family included Floor. Yeah, you should probably stop listening to <laughs> songs that have spoilers in them, I would I would say. Mommy said that wasn't a big spoiler. Not a huge one, but yeah, so it sounds like maybe they're dating. Um, so old characters are coming back into everyone's lives. She works at Gringotts now. We don't hear much more about Floor, honestly, um, of any real importance. Uh, and Charlie is in Romania trying to make uh, contacts for the Order as well. So the whole Weasley family, except for Ron and Jenny, are involved in the Order. Percy has been promoted in the Ministry, even though he didn't realize what was going on with Crouch. But he is now the junior assistant to the Minister, Cornelius Fudge. So he's got the ear of the most powerful person in the wizard government. Fudge has been trying to put down Dumbledore in the Order... By telling people what? That um, he was a, a nutty old man. Well, what does he say about what they say about Voldemort? Dumbledore is saying Voldemort's returned. Everyone should tell everybody Voldemort's returned. Oh, there, um, he's, he's like, nope, we're not going to mention this to anybody. Nobody needs to know. No, he's outright denying it. He's denying that it's even true. He is trying to convince himself that it's not true. Oh, that's right. It, it's sort of, it's, n- it's not, it's not really that he doesn't believe it. It's just his, um, it's just his opinion. It's just his ability to believe that it's not true because it's, he doesn't it's like It's called it. denial. And yes, he's he's denying the fact that Voldemort's back because the reality of that is too horrible for him to believe. And it would also be a threat to his own power in the government. So he doesn't like that idea. Um, it also begins this sort of paranoid state of Cornelius Fudge where he tries to figure out, well, if Voldemort's not really back, why is Dumbledore uh, why is Dumbledore saying that he is? What's Dumbledore trying to do? Is he trying to, I don't know, take my job? Now, have they mentioned yet that Dumbledore has turned down the job of Minister of Magic over and over and over and over? No. They will mention that soon if they haven't already, or it might even be in a previous book. Uh, but Dumbledore has been offered the job of Minister of Magic year after year after year after year, and he's not interested. He doesn't take it. 
Uh, just then, somebody bumps into a painting that starts screaming. Really cruddy stuff. She <laughs> says, you, blood traitor, abomination, shame of my flesh. Who bumps into the painting? Sirius Black. Oh. Who Harry has not seen face to face. For. In a very long time. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, so Sirius Black, uh, says, uh. Yeah, the last time he saw Black sort of was in the fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the, in the previous book, he, uh, they didn't actually have any contact in book four, any physical contact. Sirius has been on the run ever since. Like, people still believe that he's evil. And he's, who does he, who does he tell Harry this, this painting is? His mom. Yeah, sounds like mom is uh, not too fond of her son Sirius at this point. Uh, so he says, "Yes, uh, you know, That's my nice to see you, Harry. You've I see you've met my mother." That's my horrible painting, mom. Chapter five: The Order of the Phoenix. You know, if you have a horrible mother, it must be pretty bad to have her sort of ghost living in a painting for the rest of your life. It'd be nice to. Uh, Remove that painting. I think we find out later that they can't. Yeah, they they mentioned that they try and close the curtains over her, but there's like a charm or... Oh, that's actually the first thing that happens in Chapter 5. Chapter 5, The Order of the Phoenix. Sirius mentions they've been trying to take down the painting, but she's... And close the curtain. Got a permanent sticking charm on the back of the canvas. They can't get it down. Yeah, the only way that you could actually get rid of her was if you moved out. So Sirius explains what house they're in. Whose house is it? The um the most noble and ancient um house of black. It's his house. It's the house he grew up in. And he is the last member of his family. The the second to last member of his family was his brother. Yeah, and we don't know much about his brother at this point. But we will in a few <laughs> okay. So uh so there's a there's there, the 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 order is all there. Um they're looking at some parchment, but Bill makes the parchment vanish. Harry thinks he sees building plans on it, but he's not sure. He's definitely trying to suss out some clues, right? He wants to he's very curious and he's upset that there is obviously big plans going on and no one will just sit him down and say, here, Harry, here's the deal. You know, this is your life, too. You need to be aware of this stuff. He's very upset. You need to know this. Like, it it still feels like he's still cut off from everything that is happening around him. Like, what is happening? What, what has been happening with my scar? What has been happening with Voldemort? What Sirius mentions on? at this point that he is super bored because he can't get out of the house. Why can he not leave the house? Why can't he just turn into a dog and leave? People, mobs are looking for him. Well, it's that Wormtail knows he's an Animagus. Wormtail's now back in the service of Voldemort. So it's safe to assume that Voldemort knows he can turn into a dog, knows what that dog looks like, and knows how to find it. He can't find number 12 Grimmauld Place because it's under protective charms. But Sirius can't leave the house now. So he is... uh, He's going stir crazy at this point. Mrs. Weasley comes in and tells him that there's something trapped in the writing desk, probably a boggart, and that the curtains are full of doxies. That's some other sort of magical creature. It's a bad one. 
the house kind of seems to be, you know, like if no one's been living in it for a long time, 13 years, presumably seems sort of torn down. Well, it's been taken over by magical infestations, basically. Uh, and I think they're trying to clean it up at this point. Tonks, what does Tonks do to keep everyone entertained? The girls, at least, Janine and Hermione. Doesn't she um, play with her food and do funny stuff? She transforms her face into like a pig nose and a oh, beak yeah. and a various uh, other animal faces. Dog noses. Yeah, exactly. Bill and Mr. Weasley are talking about the goblins. They're trying to figure out whose side they're going to take because goblins are kind of an unknown. They look out for their own. They're not good, but they're not evil. They're just sort of in They're in for whatever is good for goblins. So they don't know if the goblins are going to be on their side when the, the real fighting starts, you know? And uh, Fred and George are listening to Mungungus talking about how he uh, sold, uh, like, rip-off stuff and, and, and how he's kind of a, you know, he's sort of a con man. Sort of like them, but less. Yeah, I think they might look up to him <laughs> a little bit, even though he's, like, almost definitely evil. Yeah. Uh, Harry asks them how the joke shop's coming. And they tell him, you know, thanks to you, we're we're definitely moving forward. Because what did Harry do? He gave them all his prize money from winning the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah, so they might actually be able to open this joke shop now. So um, they also find out that the Daily Prophet has been posting articles about Dumbledore. What do they say? Is this where? Is this the point where they met? They say that he's just a crazy old man. Basically, they they are trying to discredit him. They're trying to publish as many stories about him as possible to make him look crazy or unfit. They're like, this this guy is crazy. Um, he told Harry all this stuff about how he can speak partial tongue and stuff. And he uh, he wait, yeah. And he uh, he's been, he's lost a couple of jobs. He was uh, a chairman of the International Confederation of Wizards. He's been kicked out of there. He uh, was a chief warlock of the Wizengamot, which is the High Wizard Court. Um, and they're also talking about taking away his Order of Merlin first class. So they're trying to strip him of all of his ranks to make people think that he is yeah, I didn't untrustworthy. Even, I didn't even know he had an Order of Merlin. I'm sure if there's a wizarding award, Dumbledore's probably got it. You know, he's 150 years old and he's the best there is. So... <laughs> Well, whatever there is to give out, he's probably got it. Also, Lockhart is like 30 and he's like, he has like, like six awards. Yeah, but obviously he got those all through trickery and memory charms. Well, yeah. Uh, they also tell him, uh, let's see, who's he talking to at this point? It might, it might still be Sirius. I think this is the point where... Sirius wants to fill Harry in. Yeah, that's right. This is Sirius telling him all this stuff. So Sirius is tired of Harry being left in the dark. And he says that Voldemort's trying to build up an army of Death Eaters. He's trying to uh, recruit all the dark creatures like giants and things like that. Because they're big. And powerful. Yeah, they'd be good allies for a bad guy for sure. He also tells him that Voldemort has other plans that he has to get something that he didn't have last time. So maybe this is that weapon we were talking about that he that they, they might be guarding, you know? Yeah, they're trying to they're trying to either take it themselves or so he won't get it or they're guarding it. So Mr. Weasley shows up and tells the kids, "Go to bed." Forget stop it. Stop telling these kids all this stuff. They can't help anyway. Like d stop telling these kids all this stuff. They they know 
uh, more than they need to know. Yeah. So chapter six, the most, the noble and most ancient house of black. Uh, they go back to their rooms. Ron uh, is feeding the owls. And the kids all discuss what they've heard. They try and figure out, you know, what is this potential weapon thing, maybe, that Voldemort's looking for. Uh, George said it's not necessarily big as in size, but maybe big as in power. The next morning, George wakes up Harry. Mrs. Weasley uh, is still trying to clean out all these magical... Doxies. Doxies and... uh, uh, Puff Skines. And there was also this crazy old house elf that the blacks used to have. Yeah, is this where, we, is this where we meet Creature? Yeah, I, I, I knew his name was something crazy that was actually a thing. Yeah, Creature's a, uh, creature's a character. He's a... Yeah, he's a crazy house elf that used to be the blacks, but he's been abandoned for... 13 years and yeah, Harry, Harry is crazy now. Harry, well, he's also very loyal. House elves are loyal. And Harry, and Creature is a servant of Mrs. Black, who definitely doesn't like uh, mudbloods and, and muggles. So he echoes her sentiments. Uh, Harry is introduced to Creature by Hermione. Creature says, uh, Mudblood is talking to Creature as though she is my friend. If Creature's mistress saw him in such company, oh, what would she say? Right in front of people, he talks about how much he hates them. He, well, he mutters it in such a way that, like, he's muttering it in a way that he wants. It. Yeah, but everybody, yeah, everyone can hear it, so <laughs> it's not, it's not really a secret, you know. And Sirius says something like, "Enough, of your bile, Creature." Forget it. Get out of here. Bah! He doesn't like. Uh, I guess Creature's kind of you know stuck to the house, and so he comes with the house. He just. Leave. Go. Yeah. So Sirius uh, <laughs> mentions that he's been keeping Buckbeak in his mother's bedroom, <laughs> uh, which seems like an interesting place for a giant horse-sized bird creature. Especially when it's your mother's. Well, I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't like his mother too much. Wow. Um, so anyway, they're trying to clean out this house. There's all these uh, evil little creatures. Uh, there's also all sorts of little, um, uh, like... Uh, trinkets you know there's daggers and and uh rolls of snakeskin and silver boxes with weird languages written on them and it seems that you know the black family may have uh been collecting all sorts of perhaps dark magical items no one knows what these things are um Sirius explains uh, a tapestry that's on the wall what does this tapestry show uh like the painting it's it's like a Cloth painting, basically. Do you remember? Mm-mm. It's his family tree. Mm. And what is special about uh, the part where you get to Sirius? He's um, either exed out or was um, have um, or he had um, he had cloth sewed over his. He's, his mother blasted him off of it as as with a kind of a maybe an expelliarmus or something. She blew it off with her wand. He's blown up off of it. Uh, that's because... Sort of like Percy. He left that... Well, interesting that you mentioned that because it's a good parallel. Percy is on the outs with his family because he is leaning towards darkness. And mm. Sirius, well, he's siding with the ministry. And the ministry is doing things that are questionable at best. Right. And the ministry's his dad. No, the ministry is Fudge. 
His dad works there, but he is not a part of the the disinformation about Dumbledore, right? Oh. He is... Dumbledore is being actively discredited by the ministry being led by Fudge. Percy is the right-hand man of Fudge. He is also at odds with his parents because he has chosen to support Fudge, who they are saying, no, Voldemort really is back and you can't support this crazy leader. Now, the exact opposite situation is why Sirius was on the outs with his family when they were still alive. He left home at 17 because he was not a dark wizard and he was not obsessed with being pureblood. So it's kind of the opposite thing, but it's, you know. It's the same, but the opposite. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's an interesting parallel. And you mentioned, I don't know if it's here or if it's in the next chapter or two, but like you said, uh, Sirius's picture being blasted off that tapestry in the family photo of the Weasleys that's on Mr. Weasley's desk at the ministry, Percy has walked out of the photo. Oh. You might not be there yet. No, we are. We are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's actually the next chapter. So yeah, that's there's there's some parallels there. Um, he also explains that here's his brother Regulus, who died about 15 years ago. So it's a couple of years before Voldemort Two. was destroyed. That's what a couple means. Um, he also mentioned that Regulus was a Death Eater. And that his parents were not, but they did want to eradicate Muggleborns and Mudbloods. All of them. Kill them. So that wizards, the only wizards alive were purebloods. Like, destroy them, literally. Yeah. So that's pretty awful. That's about the worst thing you can imagine for people to think. That a whole group of people should be murdered because of how they were born. Which is not their fault. Well, it's not even a problem. It's not, there's, there's no fault to be had. Yeah, it's not their fault, and it's not a problem. Right, so they, they seem pretty awful. Uh, they also see Phineas Nigellus. This is Sirius's great-great-grandfather, who used to be the headmaster of Hogwarts. So it sounds like he comes from a pretty influential family, right? Yeah. He also shows his cousin Andromeda, who married a muggle-born named Ted Tonks. So perhaps Ted is related to... Uh, Tonks. Do you know her real name yet? Nymphadora. Nymphadora, yeah. She hates that name, though. Yeah, she likes people to call her Tonks. I believe that is... They're actually cousins. They actually mention that in the book. Sirius and Tonks are cousins. And and somebody says that in some way all purebloods are related. Mm, I think, yeah, I think they say because there are so few pureblood families left. That in one way or another, they're if they're, it's because they're trying to stay pure blood. If they say you cannot have a child with anyone who isn't pure blood, then they're forcing them to pick from these very few families to find someone to marry and or have a child with. So I guess that means that Harry and Ron are related? No, I don't think so. There's one other thing on this tapestry that I find really interesting. So she mentions this this cousin Andromeda who married Ted Tonks. Mm-hmm. Andromeda is the sister of Bellatrix and Narcissa Lestrange. Uh, Narcissa married Lucius Malfoy and is the mother of Draco. So Draco was related to the Black family through his mother. Oh, fantastic. And Bellatrix is someone you're going to want to remember. 
uh, going forward, too. Uh, she's a cousin, I believe, of Sirius. You know what? And you were right. Sirius and Mrs. Weasley are cousins by marriage. Knew it. Oh, you said Harry. You said Harry was related to the Weasleys. I don't think that's the case. No, I said both. Harry's not really related to Sirius. His godfather is not really related by blood or marriage, for that matter. That's just chosen. But Sirius is related to the Weasleys. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay, so Sirius also mentions that he doesn't like the house because it's his family. He doesn't like his family. But he figured, you know, the best he could do is is allow the Order to use it as a headquarters because it's unplottable, which means it cannot be found on a map or through directions or anything like that. Wait, wait, I just realized something. If um, if Black and the Weasleys are related, then I guess that means that when they that when the Weasleys thought that Black was evil, they didn't think at the time that that was their cousin. I'm sure they did. I'm okay. sure they kept it secret because they probably didn't want people to know. They probably didn't want people to know that they related to an evil person. Also, they're distantly related and only by marriage. So it's not a very strong relation. A thing that is very important about number 12, Grimmauld Place, is that Dumbledore himself is the secret keeper for its location. Just like Pettigrew was the secret keeper of the location of the Potters. So as long as Dumbledore never tells anyone, no one can ever find that house. So it seems like they they could have just stuck Harry there with Sirius this whole time, you know, and he'd be fine, or at least the last couple of year, last year or so. But uh, they didn't. He has to go back home to his his horrible family. Like, um, hey guys, the this house is totally secret. So yeah. So they keep cleaning up, and Harry has a strange dream about corridors and locked doors and and all kinds of weird stuff, right? Yeah. And I'm still thinking about that about that uh, relationship. Um, like, it's complicated. Yeah, <laughs> it's really weird. So that also means that really, really distantly, like seriously, like barely at all. But the Weasleys are related to the Malfoys. So maybe you would have to look at the chart. Probably, but... Maybe not at all. You'd have to look at the chart because the way a family tree branches. The people on one side of it are not necessarily related to the people on the other side of it. It's just that as you go up the tree to younger and younger and younger people, um, or I'm sorry, down the tree to younger and younger people, kids, uh, you might be saying that like this kid is distantly related to this kid, but the parents aren't related at all. It's, it's weird, but you'd have to see the chart. It is unlikely that the Malfoys and the Weasleys are related in any way. But it's possible. It's not really because they're related to Narcissa and Narcissa married Lucius, which means Narcissa's family and Lucius's family were not related. So the name Malfoy comes from the father and the name uh, Lestrange came with or, or Black, whoever, with whatever their last name would have been at that point. I don't know if Lestrange is a married name or her, her maiden name, but that would have come with the mother. And so definitely the name Malfoy is not related to the name Weasley, as far as I can tell. So that's it for this chunk. Uh, when we come back with our next episode, we're going to be on chapter seven, the ministry of magic. And after that chapter is Harry's trial. 
I think it'll be interesting to finally see the inside of the Ministry of Magic and the inner workings of the Ministry of Magic, right? Mm -hmm. That's something that we hear a lot about but don't know a lot about in the previous books. Yeah. And uh, one last thing I wanted to mention is you said earlier you had been on the website Pottermore. Do you want to give a, a brief explanation of what that is for people that might not be using it? Of sh- um, sure. Sure, um, go for it. So it is it is this um, app that you can just type into your computer or whatever. Don't worry about how they get there. It, just yeah. tell them what it's for. It's for it's a bunch of Harry Potter stuff. Um, it's actually about you being a student at Hogwarts. Yeah. So you get to do the sorting hat ceremony and the wand ceremony by answering all these questions about yourself or other people you know. And it's you and thousands of people all across the world that are, at the same time. Yeah. and um, What are you trying to do? You're trying to win house points by making potions and winning duels. And you can practice duel with people in your own house, but it only counts if you do it with someone in a different house, right? Yeah, like you can practice or challenge somebody from your house. Like say you're in Gryffindor and you challenge another Gryffindor. You wouldn't earn any points. Mm -hmm. But if you're a Gryffindor and you challenged a Hufflepuff, then one of you would win unless you were equally At the end of the year, is there a house cup? There might be one more than once a year. I am not sure. We should probably look that up because they've been doing this for a few years now. Because I just saw a few weeks ago, like one or two weeks ago, that Slytherin had won the House Cup. Hmm, Maybe it was last time they did it. it is like the middle of the year, so maybe they do one twice a year. I don't know. So what do you think about this? Is it kind of a sort of a way to live a little bit of Harry Potter in your regular life? Yes, it is actually very fun, but um, there are some spoilers in there. So if you have not read all of the books, but it tells you, right? Then, it warns yes. you. It says, it's "Don't like, an- don't 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 answer these like, questions because they'll spoil." The, like there's the dark mark <laughs> yeah. on there, um, and it says, "Spoiler warning: If you have not read all of the series, okay. then." It might spoil your enjoyment of later books. And there's one more aspect to Pottermore that I don't think you're going to experience until you're done with the books. And and actually sort of the original reason that they started this website was to secretly release new information from the author of the books, uh, J.K. Rowling. So in the very early days of it, they would post quizzes and puzzles and sort of clues And when people would uncover them, they would get to read new things she had written. I think to date, she's only released three or four new things. Now that is awesome. Um, So there is, uh, there's some stuff that sort of, it's not more stories about Harry, but it's more stories about the wizarding world in general. You, You find out what some people's jobs are when they grow up later on. You find out some, uh, like she wrote a couple of articles about Quidditch as if it were in a newspaper like a sports page of a newspaper about uh, the Quidditch Cup for whatever year. Oh yes. Um, speaking of of the Quidditch Cup, I don't know if you were just talking about this, but on Pottermore there's actually a Daily Prophet. Oh, there is. Yes. So you can read the news. Yeah, you can read the Daily Prophets. That's pretty cool. So anyway, so you would so you would recommend it to fans 
if they're interested yes, in... Yes, I would recommend it to any fans of Harry Potter. Okay. And if you um, know a friend that is not listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. then tell them. Tell them to do what? Tell them to go on Pottermore or start listening to Well, the if podcast. they're a Harry Potter fan and they're not listening to this podcast, there's their first mistake. They should go do that first. Then they should go to Pottermore. Well, either one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I do want to say thank you to the band Harry and the Potters for letting us use their song, This Book is So Awesome, as our theme song. I do want to say if you want to support the podcast, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Sue H-I-J-I-N-K-S-E-N-S-U-E. Or you can go to our website, podcast.hijinksandsue.com. And you can uh, email us. You can leave a comment on the show notes for this episode. You can send us a question. And maybe in a future episode, we'll do a question and answer type of thing. Or if we got anything wrong, feel free to leave it in the comments, which a few people have done already and pointed out that I correct Lily when she's actually correct (laughs) and I'm wrong. And also, if you don't mind, hey, why not? Go on iTunes and leave us a positive review. Uh, I do believe it'll help people find the podcast more if there are more positive reviews. So that would be a nice thing for Potter and Daughter. I'm Joel Watson. And I'm Lily Watson. What do you think? Good episode? Yeah, probably pretty great episode. All right. We finally got it, and I never want this episode to end. Why? It's awesome. This I episode's love doing awesome? This. You mean this podcast? I love doing all this. Okay. I think I know what you're saying. You know it's going to end, though, right? Yes, but I don't want it to. Oh, okay. Well, it's going to end when we finish the books. No! I think we might do one more episode, though, about our trip to the Wizarding World in November. Yes! I think that'd be a good one. Have we mentioned that yet? We haven't mentioned it. We might have mentioned it once. Well, in November, we're going to Wizarding World, and so we'll probably do at least one or two podcasts about that. Okay, I am turning off the recorder, because I've tried to end this episode twice now. Okay. And I failed miserably. Goodbye! Bye. This book is so awesome!